Hey guys, thanks for checking out the podcast, but I got a special message. What am I beatboxing? I got a special message. Why can't I say special message for y'all? The Flight Attendant Joe series. Fasten your seatbelts and eat your fucking nuts. Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm just here for the layovers. Each ebook on sale right now for $4.99 on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo. Listen, I may not be able to speak, but I can write and I'll make you laugh. And that's a cheap ass price. Go over there after the podcast, purchase those. They'll be on your Kindle, your iPad, your you can read them anywhere. I don't care. Just laugh. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. Today I have Brianna on. She's a friend of mine. I've known her for about 10 years now. But when I first met her, she was a little different. She was a man, baby. And now she is full woman, living her true self. And she came on my show today. I'm very grateful. We talk about the damage it can do to a trans person when you dead name them in public. We talk about how important it is to pass the depression and the suicide thoughts that come when you're not allowed to be your true self. We talk about traveling, whether it's by car or air, when your ID says something different than how you look on the outside. Let me tell you people, I thought I was woke, and I hate that term, but I thought I knew about the trans community, but I only knew the tip of the iceberg, and no, that's not a dick joke. Welcome, Brianna, to the show. Hey, Brianna, thank you for coming on the show today. I'm, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to, Joe. Thank you. Oh, you are the sweetest. So what, you had a long day at work, and now, what did you say? You're laying in bed, and you're just chilling out, and you're going to talk to me? <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm just, uh, just kind of sitting here. I was, it was a long day at work. I just got home. I'm just like, okay, I got here in time to, to call you and uh, have this conversation. Well, I um, I want to thank you for um, coming on the show, but I want to jump right into this because I have a lot to ask and a lot of discussion, and we only have like about an hour. So um, I want to jump right in to the term dead name. Now, um, from what I know, it's a term that's used for basically when anyone changes their name, whether it's like if you change your last name, if you change your whole name, but it's a big it's a big thing in the trans community. Am I correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a lot of people use it as a, the term dead name. It's, it's when the people, people tend to use it more as a slur or as it's a, um, it's a hateful thing for someone to have done to someone else because it's like, Oh, they dead name, dead named me, which means that they talked to you. They called you the old name. Which uh, to a lot of people, it feels like they haven't been accepted, and that uh, they're just looking at them as, as the old person, and the new person's not good enough. And so it becomes a very, very hurtful thing for a lot of people. So, are so what you're saying is, it would be like if somebody went on social media and said, you know, say there's a, a transgender woman and her name is Sarah, but her name used to be David, and it would be somebody would go out and say, oh, you're not Sarah, you're David, you're a dude. Well, it's, that's actually super horrible. But it's even in like a conversation, them saying, uh, you talk to someone and be like, oh, yeah, David, let's go do this or something. Even, sometimes even that can be really triggering for people. How do you reference past tense? So because I've known you prior to your transition, when I talk about you, like say I'm talking about you with my husband, if I talk about you today, I reference you as Brianna. 
But if it's from like seven years ago, sometimes I flip flop and I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I flip flop and I say the dead name, but I'm not saying it in a mean, hurtful way. I'm just saying, oh, that one time he got me kicked out of a bar. <laughs> Which is true. Right. So when you're ref when you're referencing, which is true, you did get me kicked out because you were handing me double Jack and Cokes. But when you so when somebody's ref so when somebody's talking about a transgender woman, male, whatever, what is the correct way to reference past tense? Well, usually, I mean, the preferred way is from a lot of people is just okay. So in the past, we did something like this, or. Or in the past, remember when you did this or we did this? It's, it's, you, you try to go away from specific names and, and uh, go into general neutral, general, gender neutral pronouns. However, there's some people that are more comfortable with it. Like for you and I, like you have done that a few times, and I'm I'm totally fine with it. And my wife has done that a few times, and so have other people in my family. And I'm okay with it because I know how hard it is. I have. I know other people who have changed their names, whether it's last name or first name, and I still keep messing it up myself. So I feel like I have, I give people grace for when also I'm happy for other people to give me grace for when I mess up. Oh, that's very but nice. A lot of it's about intent, you know? I'm sorry, what was that? A lot of it is about intent. Um, oh, of course, yeah. For me, for right. me anyway, it's that about intent. Yeah, that makes sense. So if it's not cool to use your old name, how does that, because I was thinking the other night, I was like, dead name, dead history. Do you actually try to forget the past or do you incorporate it into who you are now? So there are a lot of trans people that I that I know and I've met and I've seen that um, they'll go back and they'll like delete all their, their photos from their prior life. They'll burn anything that they have that's like from old yearbooks. They'll, they'll completely destroy their prior, you know, everything prior to them transitioning. That's one approach, and that's one way to do things. I, I look at it a little bit differently. I say, you know what? This Everything up to this point in my life is, has contributed to the person that I am. I'm going to honor the process that finally got me to be where I am, and I'm going to let let it be there, and then let it exist, and I'm going to use that and move forward. And I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell in the past, but I'm going to I'm not going to um, let basically let it be a crutch for who I am moving forward. Do you think having children, because you have you have you have three children, do you believe that having children makes that more important? Because say say you have a 23-year-old or a 24-year-old trans woman who doesn't have children, and they come out, they transition, and they burn every picture that they've had from when they were teenagers, whatnot, because they don't want to have anything to do with those memories. But somebody at your level where you have you were you're married and you have kids, if you did that, it would be almost like eliminating that part of your history and that sounds that to me that sounds terrible well, that's why i said there's multiple paths to go down right and so like if you are a much younger person like i'm 39 now and i've had i've lived a, you know many years of pre-transition i i think it really depends it's situational dependent it's also it's not only situational like for, for example if you have a young trans a younger trans woman who passes and they want to just live their life, and they'd rather not ever be found out. They they would go through and delete their prior their prior uh, history because it it allows them to move forward. And then they have this concept here of being found out, like this uh, makeup artist that that just had to come out the other day. Um, so that's one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is like for me, no one can ever be like, oh, you're trans. People can 
blackmail you or whatever because for me I've, I'm very open about it right but but there's a lot of people who the term is pass am I correct yeah pass or passing I remember one night we were out I think it was um, Matt and I's last evening in um in California and we went out to dinner with our friend Tom and you were there and I was talking with Tom about the TV show Pose and I was talking about how one of the actresses she's a transgender actress she's just an actor she's an actor basically of course but um because everyone's an actor um see I'm already trying to be politically correct did you notice that I was like actress actor oh my god it's so stressful now I'm gonna have a sip of wine hold on but I remember talking to Tom and I was like, oh, you have to watch this show. This one actress, she, her whole thing is that she wants to pass. She wants to be a model. And it, you just d directly pulled away from your conversation with Matt and you were like, what are you talking about passing? And I thought that was fascinating because your ear, you're so alert to these terms. Yeah, absolutely. So passing is, in many, in many trans people's minds, passing is, it's, from, and once again, this is my perception based off the conversations I've had with people and what they've told me in my in my own experiences. But passing for many people is like, oh, that is the dream. And if I can't have that, for some people, it's it's uh, it's massively triggering for dysphoria, for depression, for anxiety, and in some cases, suicidal thoughts. Like it's, it's really bad. Um, but on the other hand, passing also has a very negative connotation in the trans community because. Your worth is not based off of other people's perception of whether or not you fit the, the typical uh, stereotypical woman or man. Um, and so you loving yourself for who you are, whether or not you quote unquote pass or not, it should be the goal and not, not the passing aspect of it. What is your, what is the most important thing to you? Oh, that's a good question. Oh my God. So, you know, that's my goal. Every episode that someone says that's a good question. And, <laughs> and we're only eight minutes in. Yeah. Oh, I feel good. Only eight minutes. Jeez. Okay. I told you it goes fast. <laughs> it goes fast. I would say for me, for me, I would love to, to just be passing, but I feel like I have a responsibility in this life. And even if I hundred percent pass in voice and body and, and, and face and everything was hundred percent passing, I would still have to let people know that I was transgender and continue to, because I, I'm a white collar worker. I have a family. I have a, a lot of experiences in this life and I can set examples for younger people, for younger trans people to show people that there are, you know, successful people that are trans, transgender. I literally had a, a mother of a trans kid a couple of days ago, three days ago, um, text you know, asked me if I would speak to the the father of the kid because he was worried that the kid was going to have a horrible, horrible life and that they couldn't be successful and it, yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then the mom was like, hey, this is my friend who is successful and is transgender and you should have a conversation. So I, I want to continue to be that resource um, as needed. I admire that a lot, not only because in that situation, you're not only dealing with your own transition, because I expect that when you transition from a male to a female, it's a lifetime thing. You don't just wake up tomorrow and say, okay, I'm a woman now. You know, I would expect <laughs> that, well, you, you, technically, and we're going to get to that in a minute, because I think you felt like a woman your whole life. but. Now, not only are you dealing with your own issues that you have going on, but you also want to mentor. And I, I, I admire that very much. 
Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to high school kids and I've, and I've talked to, um, yeah, and then I did a presentation at the, a conference last year, et cetera. It's just whatever I, I learn, I want to share it as needed. Well, I think that's great. And because there's a lot of kids out there that are like committing suicide. Their parents kick them out of the house. I mean, parents think that their children are failing because they, they're different. But in reality, it's the parents who are failing as parents because they're not supporting their children. Yeah, I 100% agree with that in many, many cases. That actually ties very, very closely into my history as well. Speaking of your history, how did you know that was a great transition? <laughs> I'm going to take another <laughs> sip of wine after that. So let's go back to, I want to take it back to a young Brianna. See, I'm not even going to use your dead name, which I know. We're going to go all the way back to a young Brianna. How, at what age did you say, you know what, something is different? I grew up in a very conservative, extremely Christian household. I, I started realizing it about five or six, but anything that was, that I felt differently was considered like wrong, evil, and of the devil. And so for the next uh, 30-something years of my life, I continued to try, like I did, I tried at one point to uh, to convince myself that it would be possible to live my life as a girl, to be a girl, so that I am a girl, to show people I am a girl by changing my body to a point where it would look like that. But then I would say, oh, no, that's wrong. That's horrible. I'm a bad person. And then go completely opposite. Like I, I bulk way up, and then I try to go the other way. And I've had bo massive body issues my whole life because of this. And so I'd, I'd take hormones for a while. And then I wouldn't, then I would drink, drink nonstop to, to fight against it. And, it. and so I had no name for transgender or, or anything like that for many, many years, not until I was mid to late 20s, I think. When you were going through this, you said, were you act, did, was there a point in your life when you took hormones, but you weren't actually completely transitioning? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I used to, uh, I would try different things. So I would get these things I'd order from China, these over, uh, uh, black market pills, if you will, and creams and stuff to try and do things to, uh, change my body to be different. Uh, not, I do not recommend that at all. It can be very dangerous. And thankfully I stopped before anything too negative happened. Yeah. Well, thank God nothing happened. And then you would do that for a while and then say, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to do this now. The devil's watching me. And then you would move on to some, and then you would just start living as a guy again. <laughs> well, it was like, no, this is impossible. This will never work. Um, it's a lot of shame. And so, so basically you end up build, building this, uh, building all these lies around you because you're, you can't be yourself. So it's like in the center of myself, like think of a, like a ball and in the center is your truth and who you are. And then you start building this, these lies that can that wrap around it. And they keep wrapping around and around like a, like a yarn ball, if you will. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger until every single day, nonstop, you're just, you're just lying for just tiny little things and giant things. And, and it's all about avoiding that, core truth and no one can ever know that truth and no one can and you can never you never have to face that truth because it's it's down there deep and you bury it so you never have to deal with it and so as long as you can keep it buried you're good you can go on with life you can get married you can have kids you can never have to think about it again 
but that's not that's not how it works for transgender people. Um, it uh, it comes back. It keeps coming back, and it comes back with a vengeance each time. And it's, there's so many things that trigger it that it becomes worse and worse and worse the more you fight it. Well, it's it's the same way with um with gay folks like with me. Like if, when I came out when I was 16, I came out of the closet. I told everyone my mom kicked me out. I did not give a fuck. I said, "All right, bitch, you're you kicked me out. This is your you'll be sorry." And of course, she was sorry because when you kick your son out of the house, you're kind of a douche nozzle. Yeah. So um when you have all these lies that you have and they're building up. Last last week um I had Zachary Leonard on. He's a gay guy. He's like 26 years old, and he we talked about how he spent his whole life lying like his whole teenage years lying about who he was lying about who he was and as a transgender person you have to do that too but it seems like you do it for a longer period of time because normally gay people come out and they're like 20s but you this is like your whole life you're lying not only to the people around you but to yourself it's difficult because if you ex- here's the thing is that if you accept it, you are accepting, especially depending on your background, right? Like having a very religious background, um, accepting something like that means that you're a bad person. Um, and so I don't want to be a bad person, right? I mean, that's not what I want to be in this life. And so <laughs> fighting, fighting it for, forever is what I thought I was supposed to do. And you know, it's interesting with the lies and the, the 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 cocoon you build around yourself is that at some point, um, especially as you start to accept yourself more, and this became very stark, a very stark reality check for me at one point, where it's like, okay, I'm meeting these new people, and I'm starting to, I'm starting the process of transition, but I can't tell them about me because I'm not out yet. And so then I felt like I was just building more lies with these people and nobody knew me. And actually that, that whole process of unraveling everything and just being, okay, I don't want to have this life of lies anymore. Just, it caused me to transition a lot faster than I planned. Um, honestly, I had like a five or six year plan and I ended up doing it in like 11 months. Yeah. Cause it was, it was a rapid it was a rapid transition for everyone around you, I think, too. I can remember we went out to dinner once and you were wearing a headband. And this is before you said anything. I noticed your hair was getting a little longer. You were wearing a headband. And in my mind, I said, you know what? Something's up. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad I figured that. And then, of course, you, you, you came out and you told me and I said, I have so many questions. And you were like, all right. And now I have you on my show asking these questions. Actually, I'm not going to lie to you. The questions I ask you on the show are not going to be nearly as horrific as they were when we sat in the bar and I asked you all those personal things. Because um, this is for the general population. I can't be, I can't be doing that. But when you were younger, so you said at five or six years old, you started having these feelings. You started thinking something's oh, yeah. different. Do you, if you would have been with a more liberal, like say you were growing up in Berkeley and you would have said something and your parents would have whooshed you off to the doctor for hormones. Do you think that would have been a good idea at that age? I would have, not at that age. Like if, if I actually was on a hormone blocker roughly around 10, between 10 and 11 ish, maybe even as high as 12 or 14, but probably 10 or 11 ish for me specifically. Uh, things would have been very, very, very different, and it would have been a, a very different life for me, and a 
uh, I'll dare say a much easier life uh, mentally. How 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 would it have been easier? So, when living with dysphoria, it feels like you're being tortured almost daily. It's like this constant nagging pain and pressure, and this this thing you're always running from, this thing you're always hiding from, and it's just you can't get away from it no matter what you do. Um, and you can drink, and you can take pills, and you can go to religion, and you can go to you know, go to all of societies uh, doing the things that you're quote unquote supposed to do to try to get around it and then nothing fixes it. And you just try to lose yourself in anything away from it and you can't do it. And I feel like that if I had those things uh, when I was younger, I felt like that, that wouldn't have been my life. I would not have had to do that for the first 35 years or whatever. There's um and there's a reason I asked you this. There's there's an article in the New York Times that was dated on January 27th and it was discussing in South Dakota they're trying to propose a law which would ban doctors from prescribing hormones or puberty blocking medication to children under 16 years old. What age do you think is safe for kids to come and say I I believe I'm a I'm a I, you know what I have a dick but I think I'm a woman and I'm going to need some medication because you know, when I was a young boy, like, I don't know, 10 or 11, my grandmother just worshipped me. And she would always tell me they wouldn't cut my hair. And sometimes I think they were prepping me to become a woman. But she would always say, oh, you would have been such a pretty girl. And I used to dress, I would try on her clothes, and I would walk around in her high heels. <laughs> and I would think I should be a girl because I would have been a cute girl. But if that would have happened to me at that age, at some point I would have been like, wait a minute, I just like sucking dick. I don't want the vagina. <laughs> so yeah. at what age do you think is safe where I come to you and I'm like, mom, um, I think I'm trapped in the wrong body and I need some help. So I think, uh, I think that for trans women, um, especially prior to the prior to puberty kicking is extremely important. So it's depending on the person. So if you have someone that starts puberty at 10 versus someone that starts at 16, it depends on the person. Delaying puberty doesn't hurt anybody. So if you, the puberty blockers, all they do is delay puberty. And if for some reason you feel that the person needs more time, you got to go through therapy, you gotta have to have more discussions. That's okay. That's, that's why most places you don't actually start the uh, feminizing hormones, if you will, till 18 plus. But the puberty blockers won't actually do anything irreversible. It just puts it on hold for a short time. So absolutely, I think young, like it, before puberty is extremely important. Like if a six-year-old, so but so what you're what you're saying is before puberty, probably kind of wait until you get a little bit older. To yeah, make that full yeah. decision. Because like I said, it's easy. You know, you can be 15 and say, uh, you know what? I woke up today and I'm going to suck dick. Because that's what I did. <laughs> oh, and I haven't stopped. But that's not what this episode is about. I think the wine's kicking in. <laughs> well, because the thing is, this is my opinion, right? So my opinion is that you're still discovering yourself at that age. And so in some cases, you may be trans. You may not be. And you may just be trying... You may think you're trans for a little bit and realize you're not, but there's ways to to proceed without having to completely alter the rest of your life. And there's ways to, uh, without completely destroying your sense of self-worth and esteem, et cetera. So, I mean, there's, 
it exists. You just have to take advantage of it. Well, I, you know, and that's why I'm glad I have you on this show because I know you and I know you're not going to give me, and here's the funny, I'm going to say this word and this is going to be hilarious. I know you're not going to give me the liberal agenda type of, and I'm a liberal, okay? But you're not going to give me the thing that everyone wants. You're going to give me your honest opinion, and that's really what I'm looking for. I, I don't want to hear, well, you know, they come out of their mom, and you should start, you know, injecting them with, no, 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 settle down. Like, kids have to have their moment <laughs> to decide, and I think that's important. But I wanted to ask you that because you're the professional transitioned person that I know. Well, well, it, it, it's the reason why it's so important for trans trends well it's good it's good for trans men too because the developments that happen during puberty um can be massive dysphoria life-changing things that are extremely difficult if not impossible to alter if you don't start early enough and so that's why i'm a big proponent of blockers absolutely and that's once again this is my my opinion not everyone's opinion but it's a big proponent of blockers and i definitely think that a maybe a year or two on blockers as you're establishing yourself. You're go- I, I think therapy is so so important as well. Just getting through, talking through it, discussing what it, what it means to your life to to do this and how you feel and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then as you go through this, then you start whatever is next, testosterone or estrogen, whatever it is for your life, and that's okay. There should be, in my opinion, there should be a few steps just to make sure that you're on a safe, healthy path, not just winging it. Wing, yeah. You don't want to wing to lose your penis because <laughs> that's not something you wing, like, right? Like, that's something you got to really think about. So if I had like a six-year-old and they were like, I think I'm a girl, I'd be like, here, go put this dress on and play with these Barbies, come back in 10 years. So here's the thing is some people are extremely dysphoric about their penis and they have, there are people that I, I know of that have tried to just take it off themselves because they didn't have people around them to support them. And so not to mention the extremely high suicide rate in the transgender community, it's actually the highest um, in the world. And, and there's massive things around the depression. When I say highest in the world, it's the highest in, in the transgender community from a percentage perspective, it's the highest in the world. And then it's also got the highest rate of murders in the world as well, because trans, for example, trans women of color, their life expectancy is like 31 right now, I think 31 to 34 in that range, okay. uh, which is insane. And so it's, there's so many things that are out there that are really depressing and really, really overwhelming to people. And so they to have all of that on top of their own dysphoria can be, can be mind breaking for some people. I, I want to I want to go back to this for a moment. So, um, you're, what you were saying was people that suffer from gender dysphoria. There's cases where they try to cut off their own penis. Yeah, I mean, it's typically not cutting it off, but like wrapping like a string around it, cutting off the circulation, just trying to get it to die. Uh, yeah. Well, that do, that doesn't sound. I I don't think it just does. It just turn black and fall off. I don't know if it's like an umbilical cord when you're a baby. <laughs> It causes problems. Right. <laughs> they end up having to go to the, the hospital, and it's, uh, they usually remove parts of it at least. But you don't end up; it's not a full replacement. And then it causes problems if you want to have the actual surgery later on, because some of those pieces they use to create the, the canal and the and the the organs used for a 
vagina. Right. You know, I'm obsessed with transgender women, so I know all about that. We're not going to discuss it. I'm not. We're not going to go into the full details, but I know what happens. <laughs> That's really sad. You know, that actually makes me think of the days when women were trying to give themselves abortions at home. Yep, absolutely. It's exactly the same same thought process. And you know, with trans men, what ends up happening is they. Uh, when they bind bind for their breasts, um, a lot of a lot of them do not know how to do it correctly, and they end up causing themselves um, breathing issues and sometimes long term chest issues and and some sometimes some very serious hospitalization issues because it's not done correctly or being like the binders are worn too long, etc. So there's there's definitely things that people need to do safely that. If they're not careful, uh, can be very detrimental. Now, are these people who, okay, um, I hate to say this, but are these people that are like transgender in like Alabama where they don't have the education or the money or the support, and I don't know why I always pick on Alabama, um, where they don't have the tools and the people that can help them do this? Like, hi, I'm 17, 18, I'm a girl, but I really identify with a boy, I'm going to strap myself down. And now I'm causing myself more problems health wise, because I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't have people to support me. Yeah, that's, that's basically that's what it. Happens. That's literally what happens. And so the, one of the benefits, one of the benefits is, is that we now have the internet, right? And so the internet gives people some resources on how to do things safely and some, some connections to other people to learn how to do it a a way that's uh, safer. And there's a lot of bad information, unfortunately, but it, at least there's some good information in places for people to find, even if they live in Alabama. Good old Alabama and being transgender. That sounds horrific. That sounds, you know, that just sounds worse than being gay. I mean, that just sounds terrible. Uh, well, then it's, then it's people that are gay and transgender. That's even too. Ugh, you know what? I don't have whiskey in front of me. Don't bring me down that much tonight. <laughs> Let's go back to religion. How? Oh, a... Yeah. Here, I, I say something like, let's not bring it to, let's not get too depressed. Hey, let's talk about religion and being transgender and growing up in a house. <laughs> I'm trying to make this fun and light. Um, so you grew up in a religious house, am I correct? Extremely. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being like zealot, crazy insanity, where did you fall? In your family, uh, we went to church seven days a week. Um, we were we moved to uh, state to attend mega churches because my, oh, my parents were going to get divorced. We uh, were part of every single youth activity. You know, I'm an atheist. I don't hide it. Um, I'm aware. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Actually, I don't really talk about like I don't have a sticker on my car, but. I am very proud of it because I do believe religion is the worst thing that's happened to the planet. But when you come from a family that's extremely religious, where you said you're moving to mega churches around the country, what does that do to somebody who's sitting there as a teenager struggling with their identity? You believe you're wrong. You believe you're evil and that the, somehow they're the, the devil has influenced your life or a demon of some sort and, and you, everything that in time you, you 
thinking through that stuff, you're just, you're wrong and there's something wrong with you. Well, I, I want to be the first to say, um, I don't think you're evil and I think you're wonderful. And I have said this to you before, I believe I, I say this a lot. I find transgender people to be some of the bravest people I've ever met because like I said, and if you want to cry at any moment, you can, that'll be great for numbers. Um, but I, I've always, you know, I'm a gay guy, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gay guy. And I just woke up one day and I said, I'm gay. Like I said earlier, I'm 15 and I suck dick moving on. Right. Um, but to be a transgender person, you're actually coming out and saying, I, I was born in the wrong body. That is so, that is so fucked up because there, that, that's a huge thing to take on as a burden. Um, so one of the things that was always frustrating to me is I knew what I was, but at the same time, I'm the type of person that's like, that can't be true. That can't, this, this, that's not how things work. That's not, that does, that's how things work. That, that's how I feel, but that's not how things work. And so as part of that struggle, one of the things that was really mind blowing for me is when I think it was Katie Kirk's transgender special she did. As part of that, one of the things that they showed was the brain scans of a gay man, a transgender person, trans woman, and a cis female. And the transgender person, oh, and a cis male. So a gay male and a cis male, the brain patterns are identical. A trans woman and a cis woman, a trans woman's brain patterns are much closer to a cis woman's and much, much further away from a, a man. And so to me, it's like, well, so there are these, different thought patterns, these different thinking patterns, these different knowledge of, of who you are as a person. And then you start to think about, okay, so what about the rest of my physiology? And then, and then it comes down to, okay, so within, in utero, there's a certain amount of, of estrogen and testosterone given, and it could be, you know, a wide spectrum given to every single person that completely affects all sorts of things about your body. And then, then you get down to your genes. Like my wife has leukemia where it, genes have literally broken off and translocated places and done the things that have ca caused problems for the rest, you know, caused changes, mutations for the rest of her life. I know intersex people, I know. And anyway, there's so many variations. The fact that we try to stick gender within a specific bucket and then label everybody within these specific buckets is kind of insane. But at the same time, I understand why from an overall social perspective but anyway so to expand my mind to that point took a very very long time and then to accept that society will not going to in my lifetime will probably never look at it like that and will always be binary you know female male and and then i'm like okay so and where do i feel like i need to be and it's definitely on the female side um and so that's just one of the aspects of being transgender sorry no, that's okay. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Um, well, it makes sense because you're saying, okay, for first of all, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what cisgender means, it's um, like, I'm a cisgender male. I was born in the body that I believe my brain thinks it should be in. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, it's basically, it's, it's uh, you are, the body you were born with is the body that you feel like you should have. Well, honey, I don't feel like I should have this body. I feel like it should be skinnier <laughs> with a bigger dick and a nice ass and maybe a little pecs, but, and hair, not on my back, but on my head. But, um, <laughs> what you said was the, the scans of a cisgender female and a transgender female 
kind of are the same, which actually makes sense to me because I am a science person and that actually make, uh, that is one of those things that say, oh yeah, that, okay, yeah, because it's all based on your brain. Um, take out the religion and what you think God wants or what you, you know, think it should be bring it down to the science of the body. There's billions of billions and trillions of people that have been born on this planet. There's going to be some cross wires somewhere. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything, when you get into the details of how everything works and where stuff breaks down and where uh, there's no absolutes for anything. And even look at our, like our laws of physics today are being challenged by new discoveries. And it's, it's very, it's very difficult to say that there's, any absolutes on anything. What I want to know is why the church attacks us, but they don't go attack the fucking lion, male lions that are fucking each other over in (laughs) the Sahara. Like, go over there and harass the lions. Leave me alone. Well, actually, actually, Joe, hold on. You actually bring up a... No, you bring up a good point, because if you look at the animal kingdom, and, and I don't necessarily associate animals and humans as the same people, or the same species but it's a lot of people do but anyway inside the animal kingdom you have many different varieties of animals that they literally will change their sex like they'll change from male to female depending on the situation that they're in so they if there's all like there's too many uh females one will become a male and then same the other way it's it's a very interesting and there's like at least seven different species that will do that in, in the wild. Well, it sounds like some friends that I know that just can't make it up which one they want. <laughs> it's like flip a coin. Oh, you um, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you talked about social, you know, society. I think that society is always, society's ignorant to things that are different. And let anyone argue that with me, and I'll argue it with them all day long. If if you're not comfortable with it, you immediately put up a wall. If you don't understand it, you put up a wall. And I think it's going to take a lot. Like, look at look at homosexuals today are still treated. I mean, sure, we can get married, but we're, we don't have the freedoms of, you know, you walk down the street holding your husband's hand. Like, no straight people who are walking down the street holding hands get attacked. For who they so love. Let me let, let me say something about that. So, two 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 things about that because in Egypt actually they would be um, because they're displaying affection. However, there's varying degrees. So, like if you take the just for example the United States, say you start in the middle, you're more likely to get attacked, and as you move west, you're less likely to be attacked. So, society as a whole isn't you know one solid gradient, one solid color. It's a gradient depending on where you are. But yes, you're absolutely right. If you are same-sex and holding hands, you're more likely to be attacked in the United States. In India, you're not. It's very, very common for same-sex people to hold hands. So anyway, it's it's just interesting to think about it like that. Well, in India, guys hold hands, but they're not gay. Yep. Yep, all the time. Thank God they're not hot. No, oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe I said that. Because I'd go there and get very arrested. Horrible. Oh, I should edit that Thank out, God. but I won't. All right, let's talk about, so you're married, so I want to get into your wife a little bit. Not like that, of All course. Right. Um, so did your wife know you were transgender at any point, or was it a shock to her? Explain that to me. 
so I I was married once before when I was very young. Um, then I, I was divorced and when I was like 20 years old. And then I had a kid and so I had this kid. I was working two full-time jobs, going to school full-time and then being a parent as well. And so I, and I was dating very rarely. And, and, um, and with my wife, I, I was very interested in her and I started, we had been talking for months. And so I finally started to date and we went on a date and I really liked her. So the second date I was, I was I, in my head, I'm like, I can't, I'm not fucking around, right? I'm like, this is either going to go somewhere or it's not. And I have a, a secret, basically. And I told her, I can't believe I'm saying this. All right. So I, just, I tried to take my gender identity and I sexualized it uh, against for other people. And so I, I, sexu- I basically fantasized the, the sexual aspect of it versus the actual, uh, living life aspect of it and so for me i basically told her something that was on the sexual side of it that was interesting to me and it was like it was in a movie theater at the start of american pie and and she was just like what (laughs) and so she got to the movie and then we went on another date and so i was like oh okay so i guess i'll marry her that's kind of how that went but then like over the years we've had a very great sexual life and um but then into I guess a few years before I came out, she she knew I was starting, I was battling gender issues. She never thought I was going to actually transition, but she she uh, got to the point where she actually described me to some people as gender fluid because she that's kind of what she, her thought process was on where I was was that I was kind of fluid, but it was all behind the scenes. Um, and so then when once I finally got to the point where I had to come out, it was, we spent literally hundreds of hours on the phone um, because I was in California and she was in Florida at the time um, because I was working out here and hundreds of hours on the phone, uh, working through it and discussing it. And, and at the end of it, she helped me get a therapist and helped me get uh, doctors and everything set up. Like she was in super, super amazingly supportive. It almost like seems she brought you down that path to, for, for you to realize, okay, I have to do this. What a supportive, what a supportive wife. It was more, I, I hit a wall. Um, it was a, either I had to do this or I wasn't going to be around anymore. And so she helped me get to the point where I was still going to be around. And I'm very, very, very grateful and thankful to her that she was able to help me with that. Yes. I'm very, I'm very grateful for that also. Would you consider yourself to be a lesbian or bisexual? I'd say like 98% lesbian. Okay. Now, um, what I want to know is you were a straight guy. Now you're a lesbian woman. Love it. You know, I've always wanted a transgender friend. But when you're taking <laughs> hormones, at some point, do you start looking at men differently in a more sexual way? So here's the thing is like there's sexual fantasies and which are great. And there's, there's that still exists. Like with men, there's still, there's sexual fantasies, but the actual thought of like dating a guy or being with a guy to me, is, to me is just like, Oh, I don't like the idea of it at all. To me, it's just like, uh, for me, it's all about women and how, you know, we think and talk and experience emotion. And just, there's a lot of aspects of it. That, that's um, very thrilling. So no dick. Um, 
pretty much, yes. Okay. All right. Well, no, I'm just asking. I mean, I don't want to get into your sex life, but I did want to know because, okay, so when I read Caitlyn Jenner's book, which I think she's the worst transgender woman on the planet, by the way, when I read her <laughs> book, I she talked about how the idea of being with a man, she never thought of being with men until she became a woman and then, or until she lived her true self, trying to be PC here, ladies and gentlemen. She started thinking like, oh, you know, when a man opens the door for you, it makes you feel feminine. When a man holds the door for you, when a man buys you a drink or something like that, these are things that made her feel more feminine. So I was wondering if that's something that's broad regarding, you know, if you're a transgender woman, but you happen to be lesbian, or is it just like my cousin who's a lesbian and she don't give a fuck? Things that validate you, you want to be around that more often. So if there's, there's very stereotypical chivalry type actions make you feel good because they validate your decision to validate who you are and what you are. And it makes you feel very good. So the idea of be like, whether it's a man or a woman, honestly, it doesn't matter that much anymore. It's like, it doesn't, like in general, it doesn't matter. The fact that there's a person, a human being that's, that's validating who I am, validating what I think, what I, what I am or how I think basically is, is so much more than just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like if someone says, Oh, you have a good idea. And you're like, Oh, thanks. Like, but to like magnify that by like 10,000. Do you think that when this was happening, you were worried that you would lose your wife? Was there ever a time where you were like, you know what? I'm not going to do this because I might lose my family. Or was it more of, I have to do this. And if I lose my family, that's terrible, but I can't live in this pain anymore. Roughly six years before I came out, I was constantly battling it. Um, and so, yes, I was afraid I was going to lose my job, my family, my every, everything in life. And I was going to be end up on the street. And for me, that's like one of my biggest fears is that I'll end up on the street or the people that I support will end up on the street. And so that was a massive inhibitor for everything. Um, and so when I got to the point of where I got to, it, I, I had to, I, I thought I was going to lose my wife and my family and my job and everything and my friends, everything. And, but I had to go forward anyway, otherwise it, nothing would matter anyway. So it was, it was a, it was a decision. It was, it was, I got to the breaking point basically. I wish I could have done it sooner. Like many, many years ago, I really wish I could have, but um, I have a very strong sense of responsibility and ownership for things, and I felt that I was putting them at risk if I, <laughs> if I went down that path. That's pretty deep, huh? It's just one other thing why I never did it. It's just so, so not only are you struggling, you're, you're saying, you know, you, Brianna, you're saying, Oh, you know what? I, I would really love to do this, but I could lose my job. I could lose this. I could lose everything. I'm going to be living on the street, which is your biggest fear. But then you, you go through this entire process and you come out on the end and you're like, I didn't lose anything. And my life is even better because I'm being my true self. My life is so much better. I eat, eat. You're gonna to have to cut this out, but just because of the day I was in a grumpy mood, and then I and then I like look down and I'm like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have boobs, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is nice. Okay, I feel much better now that I I I am living the life I have, and I'm living my the way it needs to be, 
what I'm grumpy about means nothing compared to that. And it still made me so happy. Okay, I, please don't ask me to remove that. That is amazing. You can't, you can't, it's amazing. Because I look down and I see my, I look down and see my man boobs and I'm mad. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that I'm very happy with my boobs. I'm I'm happy with your boobs too. I well, I haven't seen them. I've seen them in a shirt. But well, I'm glad we made a little joke here because I want to get back into something depressing. <laughs> oh, Yay! That's you exciting. um yeah. Well, you know what? You never know how this show's gonna go. So a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. you mentioned something about um, you hit a wall. You didn't know if you were going to be around anymore, um, which tells me you were depressed. Yeah, I've been struggling with depression since I was 16-ish. Obviously, you considered suicide. Uh, yeah, so I was diagnosed with depression in the 20s. In my 20s, and that took medicine for years, and then I just stopped. And, but uh, yeah, suicide was a, was a very, very real thing for me. Does the depression go away once your ID says that you're a female? That is always a wonderful question because a lot of people don't necessarily think about it. Depression depression is brought on by a bajillion different things, right? I mean, you've got everything in life um, on top of, you know, work and family and and just things that happen in life. You know, your car breaks down, et cetera. It's just oh, life is hard. Mm -hmm. Um and then you add gender dysphoria on top of it, and that's hard too. So one of the things that's great about transitioning is that part of part of that becomes easier. Um, so it doesn't necessarily completely alleviate depression. Um, it makes the rest of it a little bit easier to deal with. Now, on the flip side of that, though, is that it adds more things. I have to deal with like if if I travel or if I go places, you know, depending on where I am in the world, I have to deal with you know really weird looks or people being really rude because of who I am, or I have to worry about my safety. I mean, just as you know, you mentioned earlier, etc. And so these, there's these things like I probably am not going to go to Mexico. There, I see the government, you know, trying to cut out my rights and trying to cut out the ability for people like me to exist. And so there's other things that trigger depression as well, but they're different and they're more, they're more evolved and they're, they're handled and coped with differently as well. Okay. So depression is an ongoing thing. I think everyone has to uh, deal with at different levels. I don't know if it ever goes away per se, but it's like, you don't, it's just like happiness. You don't, you're not happy all the time, but you're not depressed all the time either. So it's a, it's continuing to live your life in a balance and figuring out where to cope on when you have your highs and lows even you gotta cope both ways yeah and i asked that because i was curious regarding once you shed the stressors of i'm lying i'm depressed because i can't be who i am i can't live the life i ha i want to live so it kind of brings me down once you fulfill that and you take care of that, does the depression follow you? Because I believe depression follows you no matter what. You know, you could be a gay guy, you could be a straight guy living, you know, you could be a you know straight Republican knocking your foot on the bottom of the stall for dick, and you're depressed because you can't get any. But you know, even when you start getting some at the end, you're still probably going to be depressed because it's just it's just follows you. It's in your brain. 
I love to pick on Republicans, I, by I, the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll pick. I, I think I come. I picked on liberals today. So settle down, people. Well, here's the thing is that in my personal case, I don't think about the end solution like I used to. Um, it's not, you know, putting something in your mouth and, and worrying about, you know, no longer being there tomorrow. It's just, yeah, I don't have that level of depression anymore. And so while there is depression still, it still exists, it's about other things. Like, like for example, my, like I said, my wife has cancer. And so it's okay. And she, is she going to be able to deal with the, the, the chemo? Am I going to be able to take care of her? Are we going to be able to continue with what we have to do? You know, you know things like that. The things with the kids and with, the, and with my job and, you know, normal life stuff. You know, at this point now, it seems like being a transgender woman is not even the most critical thing happening in your life. Oh, no, not at all. No, not, not at all. I mean, for me, it's like, so, so that's, that's actually something we, I should point out because I, I know some trans people who, when they first transitioned, they try to hide in the closet for a couple of years and they literally a couple of years and they try to be like, okay, when I come out, I'm going to be completely transitioned on the completely past. No one will know. And I'll just live my life as a woman going forward. Um, I took the opposite approach and just said, you know what? I'm going to force myself to face everything that's uncomfortable, force myself to face the, the difficult times, force myself to face the uncomfortable stares and the, the awkward looks and the women, the, the mom, the grandmothers with their, their mouths just open wide. And so doing that, when I was first transitioning, um, really toughened my skin up. It was it was really hard for a while, but it toughened me up quite a bit to the point where like me being transitioned and out in the world doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It's great, it's perfect. And so now I I don't have to work. I don't get this fork over that anymore. It's it's so nice that I can like I said before I can just live life. So, but that's my journey, and there's other people who have a very very different experience. Right. I I, I personally think gay people. Well, and you're a gay person now, so welcome to the club. I mean, did you get your toaster? <laughs> um, there's no toaster, people. There's no toaster. We give Starbucks gift cards now. Now that you're in this life, I do believe that people like us, we have thicker skin than just the average Joe. And it's because we spend our ye- our life just constantly being badgered just for who we want to be and who we are. So I find that that you've gotten through all that and you're the strong woman and I really respect you. Thank you, Joe. I, I, and I'm going to point this out because I want to make people make sure people understand that not all trans women are like this. Not all trans men are like this. It's, oh, I know. I read the news. I, yeah. I, know, I know some who are extremely touchy, extremely sensitive. There's someone, for example, one time I, I was... Uh, with some friends at a place and we were talking about someone was pregnant and they were like, Oh, that's so great. And then the, this person ran, you know, ran out of the place crying because they're like, Oh, I can never give birth. And everyone's just talking about it and not even considering my feelings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, what, why are you being so sensitive about this? This isn't about you. This is about this other person and being happy for them. But it's a, for each person it's different. So it can be difficult to, it's very difficult for the person on the other side to navigate sometimes without asking the questions on what's okay to talk about. So it sometimes makes people uncomfortable talking to trans people when they don't have that 
familiarity with them. Well, did you say you don't have a uterus, so just let's order dinner and chill out? <laughs> no, I I actually didn't know why they ran away crying until the next day. And I was just like, oh, wow, that was not directed at you. I was just going to say the uterus thing is interesting because they just started uterus transplants. Um, so that's going to be a possibility what? in the next couple of years. Well, I know you're mm-hmm. not having any more kids, uterus or not. You're oh, like, do no. not, you're going to, they're going to come up to you and they're going to be like, do you want a uterus? You're going to be like, take those fucking uteruses away. <laughs> Yeah, no, settle, no, 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 settle down with the uterus. <laughs> but you know, Sorry, kids. yeah, you <laughs> you have enough, lady. So I think that, but people like this this trans woman who got really upset. Well, this woman, you know, I don't have to say trans woman, right? I could just say this woman, right? Sure. Okay. So this woman got upset. Somebody's talking about having babies. She runs out because she'll never ha- she until she gets a uterus transplant. She's not going to have one. I think that that's common in every situation though in life because people are so wrapped up in their own bullshit that they can't even be happy for someone else anymore. It's at the point now where it's like, dude, you're dude. Oh my God. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that. Ma'am, you're, you're living (laughs) your true self. You are yourself. You are living your life. Now you're upset because you can't have a baby and you can't be happy for this other person. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunately how it goes sometimes. But I think that's with everything. It it, it doesn't. It could be yeah. like, oh, I just moved into a big house. You know, my mom was like that. My mom was a horrible person. And I can remember I bought a 1993 Geo Metro, and I was very excited. I was 21 years old, and I came to her house. And I was like, oh, my God, look, I bought this new car. And she goes, must be nice to be able to have a new car. It's like the chick who doesn't have a uterus. <laughs> like, I was like, what? You could be happy for me, Irene. Yeah, and there's plenty of cis, cis women who can't have babies for one reason or another. I mean, it's not like it's 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 owned by transgender women that we can't have babies. No, there's 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 cis women who can't have babies. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. There's plenty. There's, I know I know many. That's very interesting. That's a wow. I'm glad you shared that. So I've known you for a long time, and um, we go back to Florida. The whole time I knew you, it, let's just, I'm going to call it your past life, okay? Sure. That's what I say, like when I talk about when I was a nurse, I always say my past life. Oh, I was a nurse in my past life. So in your past life, you used to wear a lot of black. You wore a lot of baggy clothes. You kind of looked frumpy all the time. Now, all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be, I don't want to speak in hyperbole, but you looked frumpy all the time. My question is, were you trying to be invisible as a man? Um, I hated how I looked and just didn't want people to look at me and just didn't want to, just want to disappear in the crowd. Wanted to not be me. You did not want to be you. So did you deliberately wear clothes that would make you un, and I'm not saying you were unattractive because that you were a very handsome man. Can I say that? Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's fine. It's fine. I thought you were lick. I thought you were trying to shove all those Jack Daniels in me for some other reason. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. This is my <laughs> husband's friend. I'm kidding. But I do remember that there was a big shift in how you dressed as, as a man compared to how you dress as a woman. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, you're being, oh, you're being sarcastic. Yeah. And well, no, I mean, you're not going to wear man clothes, but the way you presented yourself. So I, I had to say like, 
maybe she in that past life was trying to just maneuver through life by saying like, don't look at me, don't notice me because I'm, I'm not who I want to be. Yeah. I, I don't think it was, it was a completely conscious thought about it. I think it was a black looks okay on me jeans. Okay. That works. That puts together. I don't want it to spend any time on this. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to do anything else. And so I'll wear black and jeans and it looks professional enough and it looks comfortable enough and it's fine. It's enough. Now I'm just like, oh God, I love shopping. I love going places and trying stuff on and doing things and, and trying and having all these varieties and outfits. It's just so much fun, but it's different. Was it exciting the first time you put on makeup and did your nails and you were like, yes, this is what I've wanted to do. Oh, I cried. I just cried. Aww. Cried, cried, cried. Um, tears of joy. Tears of joy, of course. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of my first, I just, I cried so much. It's just, it's hard to believe that I finally was able to do it. I always think of somebody who transitions. It's like, and it's, this is perfect for your Instagram name. And that's the title of this episode is Brianna begins. <laughs> it's I, and I think I talked about this to you. One of the first nights we went out drinking and I said to you, well, it's like you're a teenager. Oh yeah. Well, so when you, when you first start hormones, like you get, I have advantage and disadvantage of transitioning this late in life, right? I, I had the advantage of living as a man, a white cis man for years. Like that's the per, you know perception people had of me, and now I am a you know a transgender woman, and I you know a white person as well. So I still have you know that level of privilege. But so for me, I have to learn everything that a cis woman has been learning since you know since they were born, and so it's a massive amount of information and so when i first transitioned it was like oh my god i'm opening this curtain onto the other side of this this world that i never knew existed so like for example like one time we went out you know, i've talked about it a couple times and we went out i went out to for your birthday dinner one night and i you know i was coming back to my car and i was sexually assaulted if you i would say um i it didn't get hurt so much but i mean it was really bad and I was like, oh, my God, how does this even happen? Why are guys doing this? This is so disgusting and gross. What does this happen? And then and I started talking to my female friends about it, like, oh, my God. And then they're just like, yeah, that kind of stuff happens all the time. And they're like, what? And, and no one was shocked about it. Like, they all, like, they were like, oh, and they were trying to be supportive. But it was it happens all the time. And it just blew my mind that this exists in this world, and it's tolerated, and people are okay with it. And there's so many examples like that, and it just keeps going. And for me, that drives me nuts because I'm like, there's got, we have to do something about this. This is crazy that people have to live their lives like this because of white men typically are the instigators or men in general are the cause so many problems. It's very frustrating. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's okay. Don't be sorry. Um, but I'm going to ask you this. So you're, you walk out to your car, somebody approaches you. They sexually harass you. Why don't you beat the fuck out of them? Because I was completely shocked. Just like my mind was blown. I couldn't think straight. I'm just like, holy fuck, what is happening? Oh my God, what is going on? It was like a complete deer in the headlight situation where it's like, you know, you shine a light in a, in a deer's eyes and they're just like stuck there. It was insane. Uh, for me, I was just trying to get to my car to leave and I just, I had to like push them aside even to get into my car and stuff. It was for me, it was not even the fact of like, I didn't even have the afterthought of, 
beating the crap out of them, if you will, till much, much later. I'm like, why did I react like that? And so for me, it was it was very, very, very traumatic experiencing this because I I could have I could have beat the crap out of them. I think um, and you could have. I it didn't even it didn't even come to mind at all. Like it, to me, it was just like, oh my god, I got to get away from this. Well, I remember talking about this after the fact, and you told me about this, and I said, oh, well, oh, my God, I'll walk you to the car next time. And you said, oh, thank you. And then when I got home, I was like, wait a minute. She's bigger than me. She could beat my ass. What the fuck am I going to do? Has she become such a woman she can't walk out to the car? But now you've explained it to me. You were shocked, and this actually probably taught you what women have been going through for a long fucking time. Yeah, it, it's intense that that this happens and it happens so often that's crazy now see if you were straight i would say was he hot but you're gay so you wouldn't know (laughs) (laughs) you you started living as a woman full-time on november 16th 2017 am i correct yeah you got that down to the Honey, I do my homework. An investigator does their homework. <laughs> but it was November. It was, you know what? When I saw the date, because I stalked you on Instagram, when I saw the date, I went back on my phone and I looked. And that was the year we all went out for my birthday. Now, there's a period of transition where you're, I am Brianna. I'm wearing women's clothes. I'm wearing makeup. But my ID does not say Brianna. Is that correct? Yeah, that was a horrible time. And that's what I want to talk about because that I'm fascinated with. And because I'm flight attendant Joe, I I have to talk about air travel and driving. So you're Brianna, you're, you're wearing women's clothes. You are now identifying as a woman. This is who I am. I'm going through TSA. My ID does not match. Walk me through that. I was very androgynous for the first six months or so. And so I kind of got away with it. Like I had to use the dead name, if you will, um, because of, it's required for your flying and your ID and everything. And it took me about three months or more to get my name changed legally. And so it took a bit. And so the whole process was I was trying to minimize the fights I was on and such. So it was basically I was, I was attempting to go as androgynous as possible when I flew and then and just use the card I had. And so to me, that wasn't too big of an issue. The bigger issue came when I was closer to when I was getting the name change and I was much more presenting female. It was much more obvious. And I had a TSA agent be like, uh, you really need to get a new picture. I was like, yeah, I probably should. Were they, were they saying were they saying it rude or were they like, um, girl, you need to get a new picture? Yeah, no, he, he was super nice about it. That, that was out of San Francisco. Was that out of San Francisco? Because I know that wasn't out of Orlando. Uh, that one was out of Orlando, actually. Really? Oh, props to Florida for being, for, it was probably some queen working at TSA. The alternate side of Florida I've also had is one time they, you know, you get a quote unquote randomly text for going through security. And this was early in my transition. And, you know, they sent me through and they were going to press me. And this female lady looks at me and she's like, screams out, Supervisor! And just looked at me while she screamed supervisor. Uh, and then she's like, I'm not doing this. And then she walks away. And so it was very humiliating. Oh, no. Now, where was this? Uh, that was Orlando. Okay. As well. All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, hit, hey, Orlando is hit and miss. We've lived there for decades. Hit, hit or miss. 
exactly. It, it very much is true like that. The, the other awkward, really awkward part is, so I, I have, I'm very into doing pre-check. Um, very, very important for me because when they do the body scanners, I have, I currently have parts that uh, don't, that aren't assigned to what they think I am as a person. And so then they have to ask you about it every time. And it's very, very awkward. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, um, I knew this was going to happen. Where you, wait a minute. So you're going, are you, did you just say you were going through TSA? So if you go through TSA and you don't have pre-check, they make you do the body scanner. Right, so you right. You stand up, you put your hands up in the air. They just scan. Oh, I know where we're going now. Okay. They come out the other side. They're, they're trying to decide if you're male or female. They pick a button. They're like, oh, you're, you have extra parts. What does that mean? And so then they have to ask you, and then they push you based off of their opinion of what did that mean. And so for me, I haven't had... That, that must be extremely embarrassing. Oh, extremely, yeah. Super embarrassing, especially when the screens actually have like the highlighted spot where it is. And you don't even like that thing. You're like, listen, take it. I don't even need it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't want this thing. Just take it. Um, I'm, I'm glad I can make you laugh. So you're going through TSA... Do you get looks from people like so you you walk you're, you're in TSA you've explained that you you're walking on the airplane right you're sitting next to someone mm -hmm. has it have you had any awful experiences is there anything we can teach people or tell people like if you see a transgender person don't stare and look at them like they're from another fucking planet yeah so not as much now but definitely early on I I would get quite a lot of stares from people as they come on board. Um, I get some flight attendants that were very, very purposeful using um, the uh, him, his pronouns. Some flight attendants doing what? I'm sorry, that broke up. Using the him, his pronouns um, instead of she, her, hers. For when, when they would approach you? Yeah, so they're very, very purposeful. Even if you correct them, they still come back and do oh, it. Oh, um, fuck and they, them. And then you get some, exactly. And then you get some flight attendants who are super overly nice where I've actually gotten like free bottles of wine just for existing. And that's nice. Um, nowadays it's this, I, I, no one really says anything, but during the first day, the first early days, it was very hit or miss. It was difficult more often than not. Well, that's what, and that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I wanted to know, like, not now, because now you full on, I can barely tell, but back in the day huh. when you were, when you were in the middle, when you're like, oh, you know what? I'm wearing women's clothes, but my ID says something else. I wanted to know how that makes someone feel because it 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 sounds horrific. It, I wouldn't even want to leave. I would not want to go to the airport. I wouldn't want to drive. I'd be afraid to be pulled over. I mean, that's where I that's where I say you guys are brave. You guys, you're awesome. I could say okay. you well. I, <laughs> Yeah, oh my God, that's, oh great, here comes the hate emails now, you ladies, no, but hey guys, there's, you. hey, there's women that become men, so I can say you guys, yes, I, I say you guys everywhere. I just, I just like giving you shit. Well, I love um, that, no, no so, I need that. So, it's actually super embarrassing, one time actually, uh, I was going, I was, so I, you know, I travel a decent amount for work, and one of the times I was in the lobby, and this was prior to the official name change, I was in the lobby. No, well, I was waiting to board the plane. I don't know if it was a lobby or whatever you call that, uh, the terminal. And um, they called my dead name, and I'm like, "Oh my god, what the hell?" Because I was, I was very close to having. Actually, no, no, I don't even change that. My legal name had changed, but the airline had not updated their stuff. Even though I sent in all the information, they had not updated the name in their system. So their system on like my Advantage, my 
frequent flyer mile, whatever it's called, had the old name still. And so they called my name out as the old name. And I'm like, what the hell? So that was super, super embarrassing and demeaning and very, very frustrating. You know, I'm guilty of, um, you were talking about how flight attendants would use the wrong pronouns when they approached you. I'm so bad at that with butch lesbians. Cause, <laughs> oh my God, I'll pull up the yeah. cart and I'll be like, can I get you something, sir? And then she looks up at me with her nose earring and her short buzzed haircut. And I'm like, fuck. And then I'll be like, I'm sorry. And she's like, it's okay. And I'm like, all right. And then of course it doesn't happen again. But then on the next flight, I'm like, sir, damn it. Did it again. <laughs> but if it, but that's innocent. I mean, if somebody's being a bitch about it to you, then they should be tripped in the aisle with the cart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have one more question and then we're going to wrap this up because sure. I know you need to go to bed and get your beauty sleep right now. So I watched the TV show Pose. Do you watch that? I, am. A, yeah. I think I've, I've only watched the first season. I'm obsessed. I, <laughs> I want to be transgender just because they're fabulous, but um, I'm kidding. It's a hot topic. You know, um, transgender actors, actresses, however you want to refer to them. I always, I call everybody an actor, no matter what. Yeah. Um, I, I call everybody actors. Perfect. As well. Good. A lot of the transgender actors, they're really up in arms because they don't want straight males or straight females to play transgender roles. But on the flip side of that, they come out and they say, there needs to be more roles for transgender actors to play cis characters. And to me, it sounds like a double standard. It is. Um, oh, okay. Oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> so it, it, here's, here's the way I view it in my mind. So I actually know um, a couple actresses that I talk to on a semi-regular basis. And the point that they always make is, yes, uh, there's all these, these, there's these transgender people that are struggling really hard. They're trying to make it. They may be great actors or, or not. I mean, they may be, they have to be given a chance, etc. They're upset that they're not given the chance. And so they might be able to be the best person for the role, but they are not giving a chance and they're not given a chance in the regular roles. And they're not given a chance for the trans roles. And so there's, effectively being excluded from all the roles and so by them saying we need to be in this role and this role is that it's a we're trying to get into the roles we're trying to get past the bias and uh the industry should allow us and we're going to push on these buttons to try and get in there and then once it's more common and accepted then that doesn't that it's not an issue anymore that okay uh, all right i'll take that i'll take that i was just so like my mind was like a well, they scrambled eggs because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, what? Which one do you want? So that actually makes sense. They're not getting the transgender roles. They're not getting the cis roles. So they're kind of just saying we want something. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and so and so there's a lot of discrimination out there for various reasons, and so everyone battles discrimination a bit differently. And so in this case, the the battle in this case is okay. We're saying we have to get a role, and it should be in. Both of these. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I, and I can understand the, I can understand living in a world where they're going to look at you and say, no, no, 
And then you see somebody like Glenn Close playing a man. Or you, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's actually actors who can do that. So I, I get that, but I didn't like the double standard of we want this and we want that. I, and of course, in the perfect world, actors would get the job because they deserve it. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, exactly. And so the same thing goes for disability uh, actors and, and actors of, of, of color in you know, different ways. I think is that it comes, some of the same aspects come into play is like, okay, if you're discriminating against the gender or race or, or ability, and you're just, you're trying to you give these roles to people who can quote unquote act the part, but you're not giving those other people the chance. Well, they're going to ask for not only the regular roles, the other roles as well. It's just a way to bat, combat um, discrimination in my opinion. Well, yeah, I'm going to ask for everything. So hopefully I get some piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Brianna, thank you so much for coming on Grounded with Flight Attendant Show. I love you. I thank you for being love so honest and candid, and I really appreciate it. I know, I don't know if you've done this before. Not for a podcast. I have not. This is my first podcast. So, yay. Oh, my God. I'm the first guy that popped your cherry. Oh, God. Oh, you knew I was waiting for that. Thank you so much. Um, please give your wife a big hug and kiss. I'm not going to say your name to for her privacy, of course. I will. Thank you so much. And um, please, do I have to remove that? You look down and you like looking at your boobs. <laughs> no, you can leave Yay! That's we the only you. part I was going to leave in. I was going to delete everything else. <laughs> Thank you so much, honey. You take care, okay? Right. We love you, too. Love you, too. Okay, you bye-bye. Like- Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.